Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Mark. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. You've tuned into the P40 Ministries podcast, and I, of course, am your host, Jen. I think I've said this before. I don't know why it's not called like a hostess. (laughs) Why am I not a hostess? Why am I a host? I just wonder about that because when I used to work at the restaurant, I was called a hostess and then the male employees were called the hosts. So I wonder why it doesn't translate over to podcasts. Why am I not your hostess, Jen? (laughs) I don't think that's how it works, though. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about Mark chapter 14 on this beautiful Tuesday morning. We've had quite a lot of snow here, and uh, it's made for some really nice pictures, actually. I had a girl that I know. She's a friend of the family, and she also works with my husband. And I had her come out and uh, do some modeling for me, and we took some pictures of that of her modeling some of the P40 Ministries merch yesterday in the snow. So that was a lot of fun. And as soon as those pictures are edited, I will definitely uh, put those up so you guys can look at all the new merch coming in. (laughs) All right, guys. Once again, let's talk about Mark chapter 14, 22 through 31. We're going to start talking about Jesus' death here in the next coming days. Because don't forget, Mark chapter 15 is actually the last chapter of Mark. And we're going to be moving into Luke very, very soon here. So grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and your Bible, and let's go ahead and read. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had blessed it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take and eat, this is my body. He took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. They all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. Most certainly, I tell you, I will no more drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in God's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me tonight, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. From Zechariah 13.7 However, after I am raised up, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said to him, Although all will be offended, yet I will not. And Jesus said to him, Most certainly I tell you, that you today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke all the more, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same thing. Obviously, you guys can see a little bit of comedy in this, where Peter's like, I'm definitely not going to deny you, Jesus. And then obviously... If you've listened to the P40 Ministries podcast and know the story, you do realize that, yes, Peter does, in fact, deny Jesus. (laughs) And uh, since Jesus here says that Peter is going to deny him, it's also kind of funny that that Peter's like, yeah, no way, Jesus, I'm totally not going to. But let's go ahead and talk about the first verse we read here, which is verse 22, all the way from 22 to verse 26, which is the new covenant 
that Jesus makes with his disciples. So it says here in verse 22 that Jesus and his disciples were eating the Passover dinner. Now, everything that was on the Passover dinner table had some sort of significance to it. Now, I've done a Passover meal before. We've had them at my church, and we've had a a rabbi come and speak at them, and he would go through everything with us, and we'd eat the eggs, and we'd eat the bitter herbs, which was usually like horseradish or something, and then, you know, we'd dip the crackers and whatever. But I don't really remember what all the significance of each individual food means, and I'd have to do a lot of research, I think, to... uh, to tell you guys all that, but it's necessary to point out that everything that was on the dinner table during the Passover meal with Jesus and his disciples was definitely something of significance. The wine meant something. The eggs meant something. The Passover lamb meant something. The bitter herbs. I I remember that one. The bitter herbs meant like the bitterness of the people Uh, what was it? The people like coming out of Egypt when they had to go through the wilderness. I believe that's what the bitter herbs um, was symbolizing. So there's a lot of symbolism in the Passover meal and the Passover dinner. So the fact that Jesus was making a new covenant rather than probably um, stating the typical things that were stated for a Passover dinner, like for example, when Jesus, who was the teacher here, holds up the bread, he probably had something he would have to say regarding that bread. But instead of saying the typical thing that is said at a Passover dinner, he says, take and eat this bread because this is my body, which is broken for you. So Jesus is applying a new meaning to that bread and he does the same thing for the wine here. So Jesus was like putting a new meaning behind all this stuff. And this would have been something that the disciples understood, but also thought was kind of odd. (laughs) They would have been like, huh, I wonder why Jesus is saying that this is his his body. And maybe at this point in time, the disciples didn't quite understand. And I'm going to guess that they did not. But afterward, after Jesus died, the next Passover meal that they have a year later, they're going to remember everything that Jesus said about that piece of bread, not translating any more to the Old Testament of the Passover back then, but now translating to what Jesus' sacrifice was and how when they take that bread and put it into their mouths, it's a symbolism of Jesus' body being crushed, being beaten. You know, as we chew on that bread, that's what we're supposed to remember is Jesus literally being bruised and broken and crushed for our sins. And my husband actually did communion at my church a couple weeks back. And uh, he said something really cool about it. He said like, you know, the bread, we don't think of it as something super satisfying. You know, this is typically a bread that is very dry, doesn't have any butter on it. (laughs) When we do communion at the church, definitely does not have any butter on that bread. And I don't like bread to begin with. And uh, yeah, one of the guys that broke off the, uh, the bread at my church last communion, he gave me the hugest piece ever. And he's actually a listener to the podcast. So thank you, Dave, for making me suffer through that huge, gigantic piece of bread. (laughs) I'm telling you guys, it was like the size of a fist. He gave me so much bread. And I'm just like, oh, I have to eat all this bread. (laughs) 
and it had no butter on it. But anyway, as my husband was doing the communion, he said, the you know, bread is something that's dry. It's kind of uncomfortable to chew, especially if it's like um, unleavened bread. It's uncomfortable to chew. And it doesn't give us any moisture in our mouths. In fact, it takes the moisture away. And that's kind of like what our sin does. It, our sin is uncomfortable, you know. And, and as we were doing this to Jesus, we were sinning, obviously. The people who killed Jesus and all of us who have put sins onto him have sinned by doing that. So the bread is also a representation almost of our sin, of when we're chewing that. You know, it's not good. It's, it's like kind of dry. But then when we take that cup and drink after the, the second part of communion, it's refreshing, you know, because we, we take that cup and we drink and that bread gets washed down. Our sin gets washed away from the cup, if that makes sense. And I thought that was a really cool um, analogy that my husband made. But Jesus takes the cup with his disciples and he says that this is the new covenant of my blood. And then he says to do this in remembrance of me. So then the disciples take the cup and they drink, you know, because that is the new covenant. It's washing their sins away as the blood is a representation of how our sins are washed away. So the cup is as well during communion. And these are all things that you guys can think about. Next time you take communion at your church is just think about, you know, think about chewing that bread and like what you're doing to Jesus, what has been done to Jesus. Think about that. And then when you take that cup, think about how that's symbolism of how our sins have been washed away through Jesus's blood. Now, one thing here that I need to just point out, because I know that there's still a lot of people to this day that believe this. Uh, some people believe that the bread and the wine actually become Jesus's own flesh and blood when we put it into our mouths. And the one thing I, I'm not a fan of with that particular belief system is that there is a very direct command that we actually just read the other day in the Old Testament that says that uh, we shouldn't be drinking blood. And that command is repeated in the New Testament by Paul. Paul specifically states to the Gentile Christians, he says, you know, don't worry about anything else in the Old Testament law. Don't let that confuse you. He says, but make sure you abstain from sexual sins and do not drink blood. Those were Paul's two direct commands on several occasions to the Gentile Christians of how to continue moving forward in their Christian walk without letting the law uh, confuse them and not doing like circumcision or anything like that. Like Paul was, Paul was saying, you know, Gentiles, it doesn't matter anymore if they get circumcised or not. In fact, it didn't even matter if they did sacrifices because of Jesus' sacrifice. So the Old Testament law was fulfilled. But Paul specifically restates, do not drink blood. You know, it, it's important to look at that as something that, you know, Jesus did not say that this was becoming his blood when it enters our mouths. Rather, this was symbolism of what his blood was doing. The symbolism of the blood just washing our sins away. And we can see that because if we spit it out of our mouth, it's still wine. It doesn't become like actual blood on the ground. But, you know, speaking of the blood and drinking the blood, 
the disciples at this time period, when Jesus said this, would have been like, what do you mean this is the blood of the new covenant? Because they would have had a direct command and they would have known this command very, very well that you do not drink blood. You just don't do it. The Old Testament stated it so many times, do not drink blood. And do you know why? I had to go back into the Old Testament and look at that. And God states why you do not drink blood. He says, because it is the life of the animal. Do not drink the blood because it is the life. You know, the symbolism of the wine in this communion service that Jesus is doing, it's symbolism for Jesus's life. You know, it's not Jesus's direct blood that is going into us. I I do not believe that. But it's symbolism of what blood represents, about what Jesus's blood represented. It's life-giving. And it's forgiving us of our sins. And when we take that wine, it's symbolism of how, you know, Jesus's life is being given to us. But I think the disciples might have had a hard time with that one while they were taking the Passover communion dinner. They were probably like, what do you mean, Jesus? (laughs) But anyway, so it says after Jesus does this whole ceremony, and by the way, I want to mention something. Judas was not here for this. Judas, we find out in other gospels, left before this. So Judas did not take of this communion. He left after Jesus said that um, one of you are going to betray me. And Jesus actually dismissed him. So yeah, Judas was not here for all this. But it says that after Jesus did this new covenant, you know, a new promise, that's what a covenant means. Instead of the old promise, the old covenant, the law, Jesus is now giving everybody, you and me, his disciples, everybody, a new covenant, a new promise, which is his forgiveness on us. So then it says that after they do this, they sing a hymn. That is just so interesting. They sang a hymn. And I know that was part of the traditional Passover dinner. Hymn singing was a huge part of it. But you know, Jesus was about to die in just a few hours. Can you imagine if you knew that you were going to die a brutal and terrible death in literally a few hours? Would you be able to sing a hymn to God? Would you be able to do that? (laughs) I would not. I don't think I would be able to. I think that would be really, really hard for me to like be a worship leader. I mean, okay, me being the assistant worship leader at my church, I can't even lead worship on a normal Sunday without having a panic attack. If I was about to die in a few hours, a brutal death, and I knew it, there is no way I would be leading worship at my church. (laughs) There's just no way. And so the fact that Jesus was able to sing this hymn and lead his disciples into this like worship state of singing just shows how awesome Jesus really is. I mean, he, he was so faithful in what he his father was doing and what he was doing he had so much faith and he had so much you know it says in the bible that he actually looked forward to the joy of what was going to happen after he died you know he was looking forward to that joy of having you and me 
in his presence forever and ever because of what he did for us, because of the grace he was about to show us. So he was joyful thinking about that. He was joyful in thinking about how someday I am going to live with him forever. And he's going to have his people there with him the way he's always wanted it. Because we see in the Old Testament how much God just wanted to live with his people. He just loved his people. He wanted them there. And oh my gosh, I just, I love that. So Jesus was probably looking forward at the joy of having you in his kingdom as he was singing this hymn with his disciples. Instead of thinking about this rotten and terrible death he was about to go through, he was thinking about the joy that he was going to have someday. So it says here that Jesus said to all of them, after they go out to the Mount of Olives and they finish singing their hymn, he says, all of you guys are going to betray me. And that was from prophecy. It actually says, uh, the W.E.B. actually mentions a, the verse reference, which is Zechariah thirteen seven, which literally says that his disciples and the people around him would be, um, the sheep would be scattered because the shepherd would be struck. And that makes complete sense to me because sheep kind of just do whatever they want. I've seen a few sheep herding events and it's it's really so fun to watch. I love looking I love watching the shepherdess uh with her sheep dog and her gathering up all the sheep. But they're constantly wandering away. <laughs> The sheep are literally always walking away. And then the sheepdog has to go and get the sheep and put it back around, you know, in the little circle and stuff. It's just so funny. Sheep are adorable. And so Jesus is saying here, like this analogy of when the shepherd is struck, the sheep will just be scattered. Especially if there's no pen, if they're no, not in a pen and there's no sheepdog, they're going to go wherever they want. And so... Jesus mentions this as prophecy as the disciples are going to just leave. They're going to be separated because Jesus, the leader, is going to be struck. And so the disciples are like, no, no way. We're not going to do that. We're going to die with you, Jesus. And I can imagine that in the moment, they really did believe that. Because there's a lot of times where I'm like super duper, like, you know, gung-ho. I'm so like bold in that moment when I really don't have any problems at all but the second a problem arises I'm just like nope I'm out <laughs> I do that all the time and so you know the disciples probably really believed at this moment that they were not going to deny Jesus as probably many of us would also believe but um you know we find out later on but that that's absolutely not the case you know, Jesus' disciples definitely scatter. Peter denies him, and uh, that's kind of the end of things there until Jesus um, rises from the dead, of course. But yeah, so they all said the same thing, and Jesus is like, yep, no way. But that's how we're going to conclude this episode today. So friends, keep uh, looking out for all the new updates coming up. You can go to my website, p40ministries.com, and subscribe. I do a lot of um, different emails and a lot of different things over on P40 Ministries that I'd love for you guys to just take a look at and, you know, get that free gift in your inbox. I made a uh, nice spreadsheet of a month-long uh, devotional that you guys can do, and that's completely free for you guys that subscribe to the website. 
But you know, I want all of you guys to have just a wonderful rest of your day. I hope the weather stays nice for you, and I hope you guys are blessed. Happy listening, and God bless. <laughs>